This is the Winning in Winnipeg podcast, where we talk to top performing business owners, executives, entrepreneurs, and local Winnipeg celebrities. We get to learn who they are, how they think, and we get to hear their perspective about what's really going on in Winnipeg and their businesses. Today, I have Dr. Leon Wei. Dr. Wei is a full-scope family physician. His practices focus on obstetrics, obesity medicine, men's health, and LGBT health. Through training in surgery and advanced medical aesthetics, Dr. Wade learned the cosmetic construction of the face. His area of interest lies in the non-invasive manipulation of anatomical structures to achieve mathematical beauty. Dr. Wade is an active member of the College of Family Physicians of Canada. He completed his family medicine training in Winnipeg and a fellowship in integrative health through the University of Arizona in 2015. He co-founded Form Aesthetics, to bring a focused medical aesthetic practice to women, men, and the LGBT community. Dr. Wei, welcome to the show. Hi, how's it going? It's going very well, thanks. Um, it is such a... I'm lucky to have you here. <laughs> one, of the, one of the amazing... There is so much that I could actually talk to you about. Oh. And we've already talked for about an hour before this. <laughs> yeah, not about anything important. No, we don't have to put <laughs> that stuff on. Yeah. 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 Um, but where I really wanted to start was uh, just for anyone listening that kind of doesn't know you yet. Like, what's your origin story? Because there's certain things like I didn't know that you weren't from Winnipeg. I am not from Winnipeg. Uh, yeah. So I grew up on the East Coast, okay. kind of traveled all over the world, always had an interest in medicine, took the very long way of getting there, was a performer, Broadway actor and did all really? that stuff. Yeah. Back in the day. What age was that at? early, early 20s. I thought I was going to be an actor and you okay. know, sing and dance my way into fame, but uh -huh. realized that doesn't pay the bills. And then I like nice things. So went to school, wanted to be a doctor, couldn't get into med school. So kept taking degrees and got really educated, microbiology, um, lab medicine, all that kind of stuff. And then finally got into med school, loved it, trained as a physician. And yeah, then no one, you know, worked in Miami, Florida, trained in Miami, Florida, and then the stars aligned and I somehow ended up in Winnipeg and then <laughs> fell in love, moved here, that whole story. You did something in Phoenix, right? Didn't you? Yeah, Phoenix yeah. or Arizona. I worked at the Betty Ford Center. Okay. And yeah, yeah, Palm Desert. How long were you there for? About a year. I also thought I was interested in addiction. So my ADHD is strong. So I like lots of things. So that's okay. where I found general practice. So I thought I was going to be a surgeon and all that, but I like doing everything. And then Long story short, found general medicine where you can do everything. Yeah. So you do a little bit of addictions. I do obesity medicine, women's health, all that kind of stuff. So, okay. Yeah. So I took the long way, but ended up here somehow. So, and love it. How did you know that medicine was where you wanted to be? So I have your typical med school interview question where I grew up with a terminally ill parent. So my mom, who died when I was 11, um, had some health issues and I did saw how medicine and supportive medicine was a huge thing for my family yep. and uh, just really kind of thought that was an amazing thing, you know, being vulnerable and having those kind of amazing people and like help a family and help someone so much that I thought that's what life was about. So I liked acting and I liked all that artistic stuff, but at the same time, I like math and science. That was always my backup plan, you know, okay. math and science, good backup. So. Yeah. I'm going to be a, a, a mathematician, maybe an actuarial mathematician. Oh, gosh. good weird? money in that. Is that, that, that? Yeah, there do, is. Yeah, do yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I know a few you. of them. Yeah. And actually, too. the ones that I know, generally, actuaries are supposed to be really weird. Yeah, they're not. The, me too. The two that I know, phenomenal. I'm dudes, with you. Normal. Yeah. Like, 
You can carry a conversation. One's a pro poker player as well. Oh, wow. Card counter. Figure that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How does that work? Hmm, yeah. Look at that. Um, okay, so you you knew medicine was it. You, you you kept trying to get in. You finally got in. Yeah. You did all that. Why Winnipeg? How did oh, that? Oh, this like, is where the dirty truth comes out. Yeah. So I'm a foreign doctor, so okay. Canada doesn't like us. No offense to the Canadian healthcare system. So because you trained in the outside States, of in the Canada, States, yeah. Right. So when you train outside, it's very hard to get into Canada. So like you apply for any job and you take it and you say thank you. Mm-hmm. So I finished medicine in the states just as Obamacare was coming in, and that was a very scary time to be a new doctor because you didn't know if you were going to get paid. How are you going to get paid? We saw a lot of like senior doctors that were training us, like panicking and selling their home and moving, taking their kids out of private school because they're like, when October fifteenth comes, we have no idea how we're going to pay our bills. Because they didn't know their pay scales and all. Okay. And they lived yeah. a career making a certain amount of money. Right. So uh, it was kind of one of those things. So I was like, I'm jumping ship. I'm going to Canada. Yep. Applied for jobs all across Canada and got one in Dauphin, Manitoba. Ah, <gasps> uh, Dauphin. <laughs> yeah. That's well, lovely. actually, the funny story is there's a YouTube video or there's a video out there of me. So the residency matches happens at a certain time on a certain date and every, everyone's checking their emails, clicking to see if you get a congratulations, you have matched too. So yeah. I interviewed all across Canada at every program across the country, was really hoping to get to the East Coast to be closer to family. Anyway, so I opened mine and my sister was with me and uh, it pops up and it's like, you've been matched to Parkland, Manitoba. You had and to look I was that just up, like, didn't you? I had to look it up because I was like, I never flew to a place called Parkland. Like, yeah. I do not remember interviewing for a place called Parkland. Well, that is the Dauphin program. And when you look it up, it's like a huge white mass. Like, it's a huge area on mm-hmm. the regional health authority. So I thought I was going like to the northern remotest part of Canada. So I moved here with a truck, snowmobile, ready to go. Warm jacket. One ja- yep. one jacket that from Miami that was not appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone's like, get a can of goose. I'm like, I can't afford that. I'm a resident. I had like my like R and Co like two hundred and forty dollar wool jacket. I'm like, I got it. I'm ready for January. And um, yeah, so moved here. My first year was in the city. Paths align. Like first year was in in yeah, so here or in Dauphin? No, Winnipeg. So the first year you train in Winnipeg because you're at HSC, okay. St. Boniface, all that okay. kind of stuff. Yep. And uh, I didn't have to go to Dauphin until the second year. And then stars aligned things. There was a job opening. I may or may not have fell in love with a young gentleman that came in as a junior doctor mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. stayed in Winnipeg. And our goal was to do our return of service and go to East or West Coast. But now we own a home and businesses here. Where's so Rob from? Victoria. Okay. So he's from the West Coast. He's East he's not, Coast meets West Coast. Yeah, and then yep. we met in Canada, and then we just stay in the middle. Yeah, yeah, that's so yeah, fair. That's kind of how we do it. So no time in Dauphin. Uh, I did a week. <laughs> that's probably yeah. We love Dauphin, but I, well, it was it, hey, Dauphin was great. The hospital was amazing. Uh, yeah, and then I did a month in Winkler. That was another eye-opening opportunity. Yeah. I actually really liked Winkler. Really good fishing up in Dauphin. Yep. Lots of outdoor sports for people that do that. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. on my digging, I found that you were an avid, avid fisherman. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. No, that, no, that, no, that's that not never true. happened. No, I can't kill animals. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. fair. Humans, maybe. <laughs> animals, no. Uh-huh. Yeah. But. Um, they have, Dauphin was a, like, a, that's a jail town. Is it? Yeah. Oh. Like they had, that was the big thing. Oh. Like everyone. And then it closed. Huh. So. Well, when yeah. I went. It was like the hospital like took us out and we went to a Smitty's for wings. 
That was the, that was it. the big like. Ooh, we need to schmooze you. Uh-huh. Here's wh- whatever kind of wings you want on us at Smitty's. And you were sold. Yeah, and then like, and then, went, yeah, and then Winkler schmoozed with the Boston pizza. But I think that's in like the Morden area, which is evil on the Winkler side. But yeah, I try not to get it. That's like that's East Coast, West Coast down. Oh, in the down States, there. Oh right? yeah, like big time, big yeah, time. No, not good. Yeah, don't mix. Um, okay, so we've got kind of that. You started then working in in Winnipeg. Yeah, and. How long were you working before you knew that you were going to start something? In aesthetics? In aesthetics. I always knew. So in the States, what a lot of us do is we would do something called moonlighting. So residents in the States don't get paid very well. And so most of us do side jobs or moonlighting. So depending on what you do, some people like do shifts in Emerge or ICU to like cover overnights and you get pays well. Anyway, so... I worked in an aesthetics. I trained in aesthetic medicine because I liked it. Kind of going back to the artistic stuff. Was that it? Was that in school or school? Yeah. Okay. So it was like one of those things where it's like, oh, you can work a Saturday and you know make a grand, which is huge when you know that's like two weeks paycheck. Yep. And so it's like, oh, this is great. So I did aesthetics, and it was kind of one of those things like, oh yeah, maybe I I knew I didn't want to be a plastic surgeon or anything like that, but I was like, oh, this is a great. I really liked, you know helping people, making them feel good about themselves, that whole kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I came to Winnipeg and I remember the reason, the, the second I knew I needed to open something is I went to get Botox at a place here and no offense to anyone, men's Botox is very different than women's Botox. And I had a very prominent arch after that visit that was a little more feminine than what I was going for. <laughs> and I remember being like, wow, I need to be able to do Botox here. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, so it wasn't, it wasn't the look I was going for. So it was one of those things where I'm like, okay, so I graduated my residency and I was like, okay, I was dabbling and dabbling. And the more I looked, there's just, there was a need for a certain kind of um, aesthetics practice here. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, my husband is very big into the trans uh, community and a huge advocate for them. And there was just a huge gap in the LGBTQ plus society for, you know, doctors as well as aesthetics that knew how to work with the community and wanted to help the community. So one thing led to another and form came about crazy. So form aesthetics yep. is the, um, is the, the business that you started Yep. because you saw a need for something that was lacking yep. in Winnipeg. For sure. Yeah. You have a partner in it. Yep. Green Patterson. How Dr. did that, Green. how did that come about? That's another fun story actually. So it was kind of like she, uh, Dr. Patterson is an OBGYN here and was working at St. B. I also deliver babies and it was one of those things late at night where we were kind of talking about women's health and I had sent a patient to her that had some urinary incontinence after babies and she was young and I sent it to Dr. Patterson. We we're kind of discussing the case and like surgery was an option. I'm like, at this time it was probably, I don't know, 2019 maybe or even before then. Anyway, somewhere around there. And she, and I was like, there's nothing to do for like a 33 year old mom of three to help her, her bladder control. Like you, we have to do surgery. There's nothing else. And that just kind of led to us looking into non-surgical procedures for women's health. And that led to in mode, which is the technology we use for our vaginal treatments that help okay. with that kind of stuff. And then it kind of just turned into like, oh, there's not a lot of people doing women's health and vaginal sexual health for women. And I want to do aesthetics. Maybe we should partner up with a sexual health aesthetics theme and one thing led to another stars aligned cards fell properly and how long did that take oh wow from like conception <laughs> conception to september 21st when you guys opened 
So probably a good two two years. Um, during that time, that was about a year of like pop-ups. We worked uh, like one day a week at Bear Sugaring. We kind of rented a place there for a while and we're doing like these Saturday things to kind of build up clientele as well as to like learn the technologies of these instruments we had bought. In. And then it moved from there to working out of Corden a couple days a week at another place, uh, Beauty Bar. And we kind of rented space there and it was kind of like building up your clientele all the while we were building form. And of course, anyone opens a clinic or a business knows it never finishes on time. So it was mm-hmm. one of these things where it was like, oh, we'll be done by May and da, 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 kept going and going. And then eventually September came and we opened and had our grand opening. And yeah, it's it's been a ride. COVID, you know, opening a business three months before a world pandemic was not our business plan. But yeah, we've like a lot of small businesses, we've we've weighed the storm and got through it and are getting through it still. But yeah, so it was a road. It was, yeah, it was a road. (laughs) You pretty much opened up at the worst time possible. Yeah. Our bankers tell us that constantly. Yeah. Yeah. And now there's probably not much that's going to come our way that is going to be similar. Yeah. Although we've been surprised many times in the last few years. Science tells us we should be good for 10 years Mm -hmm. before the next one. So Mm -hmm. hopefully fingers Mm -hmm. crossed. So, so opening up, Opening up a opening up a business is probably a lot different mm-hmm. than going through everything else that you had come up to through medicine oh, yeah. and, and knowing that you're going to become well, a doctor. Well, everybody knows doctors are the worst business people because we're not trained. So, you know, doctors are trained in medicine and then you have those That's few right. that open their own businesses, but we mm-hmm. don't do it well usually. Um, and especially just in private practice, it's like, yeah, you have those guys and girls that own a business and hire doctors and they kind of manage it. You don't really make money at it and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that because we don't take business courses or, and most of us have been pretty focused on being doctors since undergraduate. So mm-hmm. we're doing science and we're not taking accounting and marketing and social media and all this yeah, kind of business stuff. Business development. So, marketing, yeah. We don't do sales, any of that. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, Dr. Patterson has business people in her family and stuff like that. So that has been helpful, but it's one of those things where you hire good people. Like we had an amazing, uh, office manager that had a background in marketing. Um, we had, we have amazing, uh, staff that are younger than I, so there's just no social media. <laughs> Apparently that's a class that's what, in high school now or something. It has to young be. kids. Yeah. It's like, do. why are we hiring? Intrinsic. Yeah. You just hire a 14 year old to do your social media. Basically yeah. it's yeah. yeah. So that's, yeah. So we had a great team that helped us grow and still are helping us to continue to grow. So it's, it's, it's really great how when you hire the, when you surround yourself with the right people, it just kind of happens naturally and right. people pick up the slack and you're not sitting there being like, who's doing this? It's everyone plays to their strength. And I think that's what a lot of small businesses do, whether it's family or whatever. It's just, you hire the people that fill in the gaps. And mm-hmm. when you don't know, and like in medicine, when you don't know something, you know, someone has to kind of fill in that gap so you can go learn it or whatever. So yep. I've pretty much stuck to the medical side, but in medical aesthetics, there's something hot every other week, right? It's like yep. all about the neck. It's all about the jawline. It's all about this. So then you got to get training and new products and new fillers and new neurotoxins and just never ends. So, right. Yeah. So how has the first two years been when you, when you look back at it as far as your expectations versus... Yeah. COVID aside, because that was just, you know, no one predicted that. But like, it's been good. There's been like the for someone who still works very much in the public. So I still deliver babies. I have a full, you know, 60 hour a week general practice. Um, 
not so much now since the pandemic, but, you know, working in Emerge and during the pandemic, working at the vaccine centers and testing sites and volunteering and all that, or not volunteering, but helping out. It's to me, when I walk into forum, it's just like a bit of a vacation because there's no like so-and-so's dying and bed yeah. six is not doing well. And you need to, before you get to work, you need, I need you to swing by this hospital because you didn't sign the discharge papers and this, right. you just go to forum and it's like people that aren't sick and they're just trying to improve their, you know, improve their health in a different way. You know, they're trying to feel better about themselves. Um, you know, I had a patient even yesterday who's a cancer survivor that's just kind of reclaiming her life after a very long journey and doing things for her and do, being her best self and things that we really promote. And so it's kind of just a really relaxing medical job where it's like, yeah, I'm performing medicine when I'm there. And one of the kind of jokes slash comments I always make is like more people cry at form than my other practice. Like I can be like, oh, we no longer have picking up cancer cells or, you know, you're no longer diabetic, things that you think would be hyper emotional for people. But for those people that make fun of medical aesthetics, I make more people cry if I do. Uh, I work with the trans patients, masculinizing and feminizing faces for the first time in their lives. They have an outwards appearance of what they've been trying to portray for years or someone who's super self-conscious about a thin upper lip or a scar that we fix or mm -hmm. hair removal or something like that, that, you know, someone's been super self-conscious about you know, having too much hair in a certain area and we fix that. They like yeah. cry and they thank us and they send us muffin baskets and they're just like letters and bring us gifts. And it's just, it's really interesting how, you know, every day I, you know, we see 40, 60 people in your office helping cure medical issues mm -hmm. and you're like, okay, that's great. And there's like that expectation. Well, like, that's what you do. You're a doctor. And then you switch hats to this other job and it's like, Oh, you fixed that scar I hated since I was 11. Mm -hmm. You're a hero. And I'm like, oh, I don't know about a hero, but but I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks so much. But yeah, yeah. here's free lip gloss. Um, but yeah, so medical aesthetics has been rewarding in a lot of different ways. Like I absolutely love delivering babies. I don't think there's anything more rewarding than being there when someone's welcoming something into their family. Like you can wake me up a hundred times in the middle of the night to just watch a dad cry and bury his head in the mom's armpit as he's trying not to cry while his little one's coming out. Like that's a hundred percent why I do it. Yeah. But I get the same thing from aesthetics when you're helping someone get over something that's been super traumatizing to them or just been like super self-conscious about, or, you know, they've lost a ton of weight and they're trying to like bring out that inner person. It's, it's super rewarding and hearing everyone's stories. It's just, and as well, it's like, it's a little more on the lug. It's definitely on the luxury side. So we talk, we chat, they have coffee. We're, you know, mm -hmm. there's, there's more getting to know our patients and like they are dedicated to you. Like they won't let anyone touch them. Right. It's, it's what I assume hairdressers and stuff like my sister, yeah. no one else can touch her hair kind of thing. I don't have hair, so I don't know what that's like, but yeah. And it's just amazing seeing, you know, people leaving and they had, they're just a completely different person because mm -hmm. you fixed or altered or shape, reshaped something that they were conscious about. So, right. Yeah. Well, that's, that's pretty much the, like one thing that really stuck out to me when I was looking into form and even, even medical aesthetics in general was the psychological aspect mm -hmm. of it. And, um, <clears throat> your website actually mentions that, and it says a passion for educating clients to help them make informed decisions about their evolving aesthetic and sexual health. So a lot of your stuff, I imagine that when, when, when you bring people in and the intake mm -hmm. is probably a lot of questions for sure about what's going on. Right. And, and more. Oh yeah. Like, you know, there's definitely that generation things and we have some doctors here in the city that speak openly about it and it's great information, you know, filters, there's a lot of 
body dysmorphia and our young people that are like, make me look like this filter. Like I want my lips to look like this. And you're like, no, that's not reality. Or I want to look like a Kardashian or whoever, you know, that's great. Form isn't a hundred percent on that page. We're, we're never going to do anything that's going to be over the top when it comes to changing your appearance. You know, the, you know, my staff and myself, our biggest thing is like after procedure, I want someone to be like, did you get a new lipstick or did you go away this weekend? You look really good. We're mm-hmm. not looking for those dramatic. We're non-surgical. So right. we don't do huge surgical things. We do non-surgical stuff. But at the same time, it's educating your patient. Like lip filler is one of the most riskiest places you can get injected. You can go blind from getting your lips injected. Really? Like the arteries from your lips go directly to your eyes. So if you don't have a trained injector doing it, you know, six, you know, six people in one of the last studies, like in 2020, 2021, I think six people went blind in the U S from lip injections. And, you know, you know, in Kelowna two years ago, there was a very prominent tennis player athlete. Uh, she was like 23. She got her lips done is blind in one eye now and her entire career is over. So there are risks with this. And I think, at forum and our inject nurse injectors and nurse practitioners, we're all very much trained that this is medicine. This isn't something that should be taken lightly. You know, it shouldn't be done at a kitchen table in my opinion, and it shouldn't be done anywhere but a medical facility because there are risks with it. And the education is huge on that at forum because we want you to know there's risks, but we also want you to know we're trained medical professionals. We have all the antidotes, all the medical equipment there that's in hospitals and in medical clinics mm-hmm. to deal with an emergency. And, you know, we do injections, you wait around, we make sure there's no blockage of blood going to a very important organ after we treat uh, things. And so that's a huge part as well as coming up with actual customized plans. So like the generations of your grandma going for a facelift at 65 to look 25. I don't think that's where medical aesthetics is anymore. It's all about gradual aging you know, doing those procedures every six months, one year to gradually age. So when you're 75, you look 60, you look good for 75, but mm-hmm. you look 60. You're not sitting there being like, oh, your face looks 25, but the rest <laughs> of you looks a little waggard. So there's definitely kind of that change in medical aesthetics. And I think forums embrace that because we're not about these. And, you know, there's people that want that. And there's great people in this city that do surgical corrections and surgical fixing and cosmetics. Yeah. But that's just not what we are. I love the you know, the non-surgical aspects of helping someone live their best life, do something that's super important for them, whether it's, you know, lip filler or jaw lines, or they've lost a ton of weight and they're trying to rejuvenize their face, or they feel every time they look in the mirror, they just look tired and angry. There's in fillers, ways of placing it to make that go away. As well as back to how I started it, you know, helping the men of Winnipeg not have that overly feminine look, which was what drove me crazy and what drove drove me to do this in the first place. Yeah, yeah. I think that that is like, I think that's a story that happens more common than not. Is mm-hmm. somebody, something happens to them and they're like, where, like there's yeah. nothing that is in the marketplace. Right, and men's a very me. small part, portion of the market. And, you know, research shows us it's getting more and more prominent. But, right. you know, even when you train, you know, I remember when I trained, you know, you, you study this stuff for, you know, you take a course and it's a week or two weeks, there might be one male model. Right. And most of the people coming in are women. Yeah. And that's great. But yeah, there are men out there that want it, but at the same time, completely different look, you need a lot more Botox. You need a lot more neuromodulators because they have way stronger muscles potentially and things like that. And just like knowing how to adjust that is huge. And 
yeah. And it comes down to having experience, same as working on different ethnicities and things like that. We're super lucky at Forum that we have a very varied clientele. So, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's, and, and you have to be able to, different cultures and different have different aesthetics. So you have to be able to adjust that too. And it comes right. down to a very mathematical medical approach, right? So, you know, when I first started injecting in the you know early 2000s or mid 2000s, it was very much like, this is artistic and, you know, we're painting with fillers and we're using it to reshape the face. Form really takes more of a mathematical approach. Like there's calipers, there's, we're drawing lines everywhere on your face to be like, Oh, this symmetry. Yeah. We're really chasing that symmetry, chasing the mathematics of beauty, which is kind of like a, a topic where we, yeah. Oh, you, you know, the reason you hate this line under your mouth isn't because there's a line there. It's because you're lost your volume in your middle of your face and your mid face. So we have to re, evaluate that and treat that first. And it's a step-by-step approach, right? You got to fix the foundation before you go and put on the fancy doorknobs. So yeah, I could fill that little line that's driving you crazy. Probably not the best approach. And at form, we're very much on that educational piece being like, if we fix the foundation and the structural part that's causing that heaviness of your skin, you're going to have a way better outcome. You're not going to have a a very forward face or duck lips or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. How is the conversation uh, surrounding medical aesthetics? Is that is the, is the conversation changing? Is it increasing? Is it the same as far as, uh, especially with, with men, mm-hmm. right? You said it, it wasn't very... Oh, it's changing. It's becoming a lot bigger. How have you found the conversation um, around it. It's it's much more commonplace where before it used to be very much like, oh, I get Botox. Don't tell anyone, you know, back doors and, you know, medical offices not even posting their name at the front kind of thing or like right, getting it yeah. done at your dentist or your hair salon in the back room kind of thing. Yeah, It's much more commonplace. Like people are very like, oh yeah, I get Botox. I get fillers. I get this. I get that. I got laser hair removal, vaginal rejuvenation, tightening, whatever that conversation is much more loose lips with the majority. And I think it's also mainstream media. The Kardashians really help us out a lot when they get the new facial or whatever. Yeah. And social media. Like if anyone told me 10 years ago, I would have to have such a social media presence to do my job. I would have been crazy. We're very fortunate. We've worked with doctors in Beverly Hills, Dr. Nikoloff at the Beverly Hills center. Um, And we were down there training with him and getting some experience. And he's an older guy and he just basically was just like, you need to be on social media, right? He's like, I'm not cause I don't need to be, I've been doing this for 50 <laughs> years, but he's like, you need to be on social media. Cause we're like, Oh, how do you come the best in Beverly Hills? And he's like, I'm the best because I started when there was only six of us. Yeah. And that was kind of his approach. He's like, yeah, I see four people a year, like a month maybe, but they're the four people that I've been working on for 20 years kind of right. thing where he's like new people have to have a social media presence. And like, even with the companies that we work with, a hundred percent you're credentialed based on your social media presence, how many followers you have, your work that you post online. Like that's how people credential now. They're no longer asking you like where you go to school, what courses do you have? You know, show me your in the old days we used to have, you know, literal pictures and you know, flip through my picture book or these yep. are my before and afters. Yep. Now they it has to be online. And like doing sexual health, that's hard for us because we don't want to get arrested for certain pictures, mm-hmm. as well as we run into the thing where a lot of our clients don't want their pictures before and after pictures. Right. And yep. a lot of men don't want their before and after pictures. Or if they come in for a pee shot for erectile dysfunction, probably not going to post that on there either. So the world is expecting us to have these pictures and to credential yourself online. We work with that and we're trying to always evolve and be on top of that. 
which is hard for me because in general, I don't have a social media presence. I'm just not that person. I mm-hmm. missed it just a little age wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hate computers. Um, so they're not my <laughs> friend. Uh, so yeah, but it's, you know, we go to these huge aesthetics conferences and it's like half of it is about social media. There's like, I would say half of it is the science and a quarter of the rest is like social media presence, how to take before and after pictures, how to credential yourself online, how often you should be posting on Instagram and Twitter and all this. And it's like, Oh my God. And you're like writing it all down. And you know, what time of day do you put up a post and like Mondays before two and Thursdays, the science tells you at this time. And I'm like, okay, I'll stick to the medical side and I'll let these other people (laughs) take over that. But it's, it's good and bad because you know, I always say the adage of there's three sides to every story, his, hers, and the truth. You know, sometimes we look at before and after pictures online and it's just like, that's not possible with what they're saying. Cause who knows? Because it's also the big part of the education. It's a step-by-step approach, right? You need to have good skincare. Cause if you know, why spend, why give me $4,000 to give a bunch of fillers and stuff if your skin gear game's not there, right? So if the canvas isn't great, why paint an amazing picture on it? So the education part is building that relationship first. Like, oh, this is what you're unhappy with with your face or your body. Great. Here's what we can do in the next two weeks, six months, year, five years to yep. get you to where you want to go. Right. You know, sometimes we have to be like, oh, what you want is impossible. You know, you should go see one of our friends in cosmetic surgery or plastic surgery or that's an unrealistic goal for this visit. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, get them on some great skincare, get their skin looking good, you know, then start correcting some of the things, starting with the foundation. It might, it might take five or six visits and it might take six, seven months to a year, but you know, it's all that variability of it. And it's also the education piece. Like people are like, Ooh, two fillers that like two syringes. That's a lot. We'll take seven syringes to equal a packet of ketchup. Mm. Like before my wedding, I had 16 syringes put in my face and nobody knew that I had 16 syringes put in my face. You know, it's all about the science, knowing where to place it, knowing where to lay it, how to lay it, all that kind of stuff. And that's why I think you need to really, whether it's that form or another aesthetics um, clinic, you need to make sure your injectors know their stuff because, you know, here in Manitoba and in Canada and, you know, we struggle with, the credentialing part of it. And, you know, there's the college of physicians and surgeons of Manitoba are making huge changes to, you know, uh, as of January 31st, there's huge new laws and changes of where you can actually perform as doctors, medical aesthetics. You can't work out of your home anymore. You can't work at it. You know, there's a certain, it is medicine. You have to have a clinic now and certain things like that. And yep. we're going to see that ripple effect through the nurse, the college of nurse nurses and nurse physician or nurse practitioners and things like that which I don't think is a bad idea because I think the problem with aesthetics and we've seen this in Toronto and Vancouver and some of these horrible cases are, you know, people are going into people's basements thinking they're getting a deal and they're getting like silicone injected from the hardware store from someone who says they're credentialed and they have their online credentials and they have a huge social media following. That's not super healthy. And as you know, when people come in and they kind of ask for a discount or we're like, Ooh, that's really expensive. My kind of, knee jerk reaction is, do you ask for a discount on your blood pressure pills or your contraception? Mm-hmm. You know, this is medicine. And when we look at it as medicine, it comes with a price tag and you know, we're not trying to gouge people or whatever and all that negative stuff. But at the same time, 
it shouldn't be discounted because you should want a medical professional to do it. You should want the years of experience is what you're paying for. Mm-hmm. You're not, you know, someone who took a weekend course and all of a sudden is like, yeah, I got credentialed online and now I'm going to start injecting out of my house at my kitchen table. Those should be red flags <laughs> in my opinion when it comes to medical aesthetics, yeah. but we do it all the time. We see it all the time, right? Or we have people that come in and we have to do some fixing and they won't really tell you where they went. And all of a sudden that kind of comes out. They're like, oh, well, my friend was learning. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ooh, what part of that was said, let's do it. <laughs> but, you know, to each their own. But at the same time, we were all learners. I remember the first time getting Botox from yeah. the person whose hand was shaking so badly that I'm like, just don't hit my eyeball, like helping steady their hand kind of thing. You know what? So, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> just I'll do it. Let, let and now it. you push the syringe. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, we all have, learn. Have you ever seen that uh, that picture online? And it's like, you can always get it cheaper. Yes. And, and it's that horse that's like the beautiful horse. And then the, yeah. the second one is like the stick figure horse. Totally. You can always get it cheaper. You can. And somewhere. it's, and it's, and the thing about aesthetics is like, and yeah, to take that, at, to take that analogy a little further, it's like in Canada, we really have a very small toolbox of products. We have three or four big companies. They provide all our Botox fillers, neuromodulators, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So we all have the exact same thing when it comes to it, but seeing what, the hand of the practitioner does is huge, right? right? Like sometimes, you know, you see posts and it's like these lips took three syringes and I'm like, where did they put it? Cause I don't, I don't know how that look happened. Well, may, you, if you put it deep enough, I can charge you for three syringes and you'll never see any volume in your lips. But if you're using science and know how to ethically put it in an appropriate manner, right. half a syringe can make your lips look amazing. Right. So always look for that. And I think, you know, even seeing my family that don't live here and they go see other people and they're like, who do I go to? I'm like, yeah, go to social media, see whose work you like. But at Mm -hmm. the same time, get educated, go see two or three people see, Oh, I I connected with this person. I like kind of their ethos or I really like how they approached it. They taught me a lot or maybe you don't want to be taught. Maybe you're like, wham, bam, let's move. I'm I'm on my lunch break. I don't got time to chat. And we have those people at form too, right? They're just like, yeah, I got 30 minutes. You got start go. And yeah, yeah, I want my Botox. So yeah, you really gotta, you gotta do what's right for you always. But at the same time, it's, you should be educated. You should know just as much about Botox and fillers as I do when you're getting it because I'm putting it in your face and it's going to last six months to two years. Mm-hmm. So you should know where it's being laid, how it's being laid, why you're doing it. You should ask lots of questions. You know, our consultation fees, we don't have any because if you're not educated, you shouldn't be making the decision to go through with a procedure, right? So mm-hmm. that's how we look at it. But Everything you said correlates perfectly with what someone, what, what I tell people mm-hmm. who who generally don't live here in Winnipeg, what kind of builder? Like, right. You should build my house, mm-hmm. right? It's exactly the same. It's go see who you connect with, right. see you like, listen to their stuff, get educated by their stuff. People should be providing content, right? right? Uh, as far as educating people so they can... And you shouldn't be ashamed of it. You should be able to like, in my public practice or GP practice, Right now with the world we live in, tons of people needing therapy. Mm-hmm. You should, if you don't like your therapist, move on. Yep. If you don't like your doctor, move on. You know, yep. I'm a very forward kind of laid back doctor. If you don't like me, that's great. Move on. Find someone that you really connect with because then the relationship's easier. You're not pushing it further. And yep. that's what I tell people because I see it a lot being like, oh, I went to my employee assistance program. I got a therapist. Didn't really like them, but I stuck with them for 10 sessions. I'm like, right. oh. If you don't like him, if the, you know, it's like dating. If you don't like it, move on. It's like swipe left or right or whatever it is, but like move on because if the connection's easier and you like the person, it's an easier way to dance, right? Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, I 
don't like, I don't really don't like those windows you picked. Well, I picked those windows because it's the best for Win- Winnipeg. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, well, cause a lot of times people are like, well, what would you put in my face for fillers? And I'm like, Oh God, don't ask me that question. You know, we all have our biases for sure. But at the same time, it's like, they're really all the same science. They're all hyaluronic acid linked to different kinds of proteins. They last a different amount of time, that kind of stuff. You know, there's certain product I like in certain areas for sure. And when people come in and they're educated, it's kind of like, that's our win-win when people are like, I trust you. You're the doctor. You know what's going on. Yeah, this is how, how I'm going to do it. This is how much it's going to cost. And this is the product I would use. Mm-hmm. Boom. Great. And then you have people that are like, well, I heard this is on sale and I want this. And it's like, well, that's not the greatest product for what you're trying to do. Yep. And once again, I think if anyone's educated, they can make that decision. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you're like, well, if you tell them why it's not a great project, I don't have to do any work because they're going to like, oh, yeah, I don't want that in my lips. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. I also find it, it it helps a lot more when I have somebody come in. I want them to have done a little bit of research. I want them to know things oh, yeah. because that makes my job. Uh, I don't have to start from scratch, mm-hmm. right? When I'm educating them, as far as even when we choose, if we use the the windows e- examples, if someone's coming in and they say, "I just want you to pick the windows," mm-hmm. and we pick the best ones according to the architect and the designer and yeah, yeah. you know the color palette and everything that, and then they come in and they're like, "That's not what I want." Yeah, and you're like, "Ah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, okay, so." Let's let's talk about it early on. Let's totally. make sure that you're well. Make sure everyone's on the same page, stuff. right? Yeah, that's right. And yeah. that's always because we see a lot in aesthetic medicine. It's like they always want to come with their friend, and then when their friends in the room, they have questions, which is great. And you should have tons of questions. Like, well, maybe I want Botox too, or maybe I want filler too. It's like, okay, but you should come for your consultation. You know, and of course we make. There's always making exceptions, right? Like, oh, you're here now. Let's talk. Whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'm over dramatizing a bit, but. You should be educated. If you're making a whim decision, like how many people woke up one day like, yeah, I'm going to get a breast augmentation. Let's just do it right now. That's mm-hmm. just not a thing. So why are we treating fillers and Botox like that? Right. Just because they're shorter term doesn't mean you shouldn't be taking it. That and same thing is with, once again, I know we're not talking about it, like general practice. You should know what blood pressure pills you're on and why you're on it and maybe how they work a little bit. Maybe not the biochemistry, but you're like, yep. oh, I'm on this pill and I shouldn't mix it with this because this happens. You know, like my old man, like I roll my eyes so hard because I'm like, what pills are you on? He's like, well, the two white ones and the blue one. I'm like, that's not how you answer that question. And I tell that to my patients too. You can't take a white one and a blue one together. Everybody knows that. Yeah. Or like I take the one that looks like a little house and we, I'm sure every doctor who is listening knows what that is. Um, It's a muscle relaxant, but it's shaped like that. But it's one of those things where it's like, you know, if you ever God forbid, have to go in an emergency room. You should know what pills you're on mm-hmm. and you should be able to reproduce that because it's definitely going to change the outcome of potential medical problems. And it's right. the same thing with, oh, I don't know what filler I had put in my face. You should, you know, if you, you paid someone money, mm-hmm. a lot of money to put something in your face, you should be educated enough to know. And I think that's where the educational piece always comes in for us because right. it's like we put this in your face because of this and this is the reasons. This is your expectation. And anything in medical aesthetics is expectation setting, right? Like I know you want to look like that. That's great. And we might get there, but that's not what's going to happen today. Yeah. I'm not going to take your lips from like two little lines to like full blown Kylie Jenner overnight. That t- mm-hmm. That's a process that takes years to get there. Right. It took years for them too, even though you wouldn't know, but you touched on that. And, and I love that you said that is that the expectations. So from a, from a business owner, from a doctor working on someone to any business really is setting expectations. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, 
you could easily this whole thing of uh, buyer's remorse, yeah. right? Right? Like, well, we see oh it. my yeah. god, yeah. But expectations are the biggest thing. Oh, totally. And then, the, like in general medicine, like we do that all the time because not that like patients have the right to be upset, but you sit there and you're like, yeah, but we talked about this, right? And they're like, right, because there's always going to be that like, oh my gosh, oh my god. Like the best example is lip fillers. There's like within the aesthetics community of injectors, we all know there's like the five levels of remorse because people, you know, hate it immediately because they're swollen and they're like, take it out, take it out. This is way too much, way too much. And then like day three through five, there's tons of lumps and bumps and they're just like, no, I want these dissolved. It's not what I want around the week mark. There's maybe some still bruising and they feel really big. And then like around the two week mark, the swelling goes down and all of a sudden they want to come back because they liked what the swelling looked like. They're like, I want them like they look like on that first day. And you're like, you called me every day for a week being like, I hate my lips. I hate my lips. Dissolve them, make them smaller. So, you know, hopefully in that form, we try really hard to never get those phone calls because when you leave, we go over everything that's going to happen, every possible complication, which can stress people out. Yeah. Like we're about to inject around your eye. You could go blind. Are you aware of that? You know, or noses, you know, a lot of people don't inject noses because it's so it's in the danger area mm. of making you permanently go blind. So it's it's one of those things. If you're highly educated and trained, it's not scary, yep. you know, but at the same time, you should know that there's a complication there and it might happen. So, you know, I would hope your injector or your professional has already educated you on that because you know, we take people to surgery all the time in the hospitals. You know, you have a 50% chance of making this out or setting the risk that like this, the outcomes could be this or this, you know, mm-hmm. you might get 20% improvement or whatever. And it's the same thing in this aesthetics. I would love to say you'd come in. I could like shoot a little needles in there. You'll never have a wrinkle again. You'll look 20. It's probably not realistic. Mm-hmm. And so setting that expectation just makes it easier on everyone. Cause you're not getting those complaints. You're not getting unhappy people coming in like two weeks later being like, I hate this. I thought this was whatever. And that's also kind of when you do get those patients and you come back and you flip over the before and afters and you're like, look, and they're like, that's me because you're living it. You're seeing it every day. Right. Yeah. But then when you see those before and afters, it's like, yeah, this is what we talked about this. And that's also kind of one of those like swoosh moments where you're just like, oh yeah, that felt good. Kind yes. of like showing them the before and after. my cape over here. Yeah. Yeah. Mic drop. Welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Man. <laughs> you get Botox. Yeah. Um, why do you think uh, a uh, cosmetics or a uh, aesthetics clinic would fail? When, when you look in, in your worst, when you're having... A pandemic. When, when, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a good one. It's, you know, I think because it's so varied. So here in Winnipeg, it's varied because a lot of aesthetics, medical aesthetics places are paired with a plastic surgeon or a dermatologist. So there's like two businesses in one. Okay. So form is different in the fact that we only do medical aesthetics out of there. And I think one of them is possible reasons it could fail is I wouldn't say not so much doing your homework, but understanding the patients and the clientele, right? Because what's hot right now, much like fashion, much like anything that's trending, it could be over in six months, right? Mm-hmm. So Brazilian butt lifts or body contouring, it's hot right now. Well, there's a huge cost for us, like the lasers, the treatment, the training, all that kind of stuff. That could be hot for six months. You might never get your return on investment. And then right. people are like, oh, no, flat butts are in. I don't want any bubble butt back there. And it's like, oh, but I just bought this machine. <laughs> what mm-hmm. So I think going in and knowing. So what we, you know, one of the things we really focus on is, you know, the 
we do a little bit of everything, but also kind of like your, your tried and trues are always going to be there. There's always going to be people that want hair removal. There's always going to be people that want sexual medicine because sex is great and you should be having sex. But if you're not comfortable or you have an issue down there, it should be talked about openly and you should be able to make those corrections. So that's really important for us as well as form is big on the evidence. If we treat Dr. Patterson and I, everything at form is very much show us the research evidence-based medicine. That's both what we practice in our private practices in, you know, as a her, Dr. Patterson as an OB gynecologist and me as a family medicine, we only practice medicine that there is research that it works. I give you a pill because I know it's going to lower your blood pressure. I do a procedure on you because it's going to improve the outcome of your baby. That's how we work. So that's how aesthetics works for us. So we have nothing at form that isn't needs to be done by a doctor. We have nurses and nurse practitioners there, but they can do procedures only while there's a doctor present. Our laser hair removal is at a level that when that machine is on, there has to be a doctor present because there's negative outcomes. It can burn you. It can blind you. You know, there's huge variations. And that's also what makes mental aesthetics so iffy is because there are the machines that you can buy on Amazon to do at home. They're great. Then you might get there after a hundred treatments because they're not very strong, but that there's the big boys that cost a lot of money and you need a lot of education to use them and things like that. So I think some reason things fail is because people just jump into what's hot, right? So it's like, oh, everyone wants to be thin. You throw this, these pads on and you'll have a six pack in a week. Well, the evidence on those machines isn't very great. Someone like you has already got a five pack. Yeah, we probably get, get you six or seven with that machine. But if you got a keg, we're probably not going to turn that keg into much. And if we do, it's going to be a lot of treatments over a very long period of time. Right. So I think when I see, you know, my colleagues in other provinces and, you know, I have a really I'm really fortunate to have a great close community of other practice owners you know, we're always talking about like, oh, did you see this new machine or this new treatment that came out? What do you think about it? And mm -hmm. of course, everything for me is like, show me the research. Or so we have someone that comes in being like, I'm a, I represent this machine. I think you should buy it. It's great. Da, da, da. It's like the first words out of my mouth are Dr. Patterson's is like, can you send me the research on it? Is it right. reproducible? Yeah. Same as our skincare line. It's a prescription only skincare line. It's a Canadian product. It's almost vegan. I'm doing many ears right now because it has honey in it, which means it's not vegan in some of the products, <laughs> um, but there's no animals in it. Um, so I call it vegan. Um, but it actually in dermatological studies, you know, they take skin biopsies and look under microscopes. It does increase collagen. It does do what it says it's going to do. Okay. So that's why we support it because I can do it because the science is there. Other things and lotions and potions and creams and procedures that don't have that evidence. I just can't back because I'm a doctor. And yeah. I think that's also something in the aesthetics world because, you know, there's, I see other clinics and every time I travel, it's one of my favorite things to do is like, look who's local or you're walking and you see these poster boards, other things, or my friends will be like, I'll get texts constantly being like, what do you think of this thing? I just heard about this new laser or this new light treatment. And I'm like, yeah, that's hot right now. It's all over the Instagram and social media and the TikToks, but there's no science behind it. It right. might work. It might not work. Yeah. But for me, I don't want to take people's money or it, do treatments on people that might not have that outcome mm -hmm. because it doesn't, they're not going to be happy. And if they're not happy that I'm not happy and then yeah. it just leads to a whole bunch of other issues. Right. Yeah. So really not doing your research on the science, but that's also kind of my personal ethos and Dr. Patterson's when we started for him was to have that strong foundation of, you know, everything in medicine, reproducibility, the science, the evidence-based medicine. Mm -hmm. If there's no evidence for it, 
I just don't want to do it. Like there's trust me. I've had treatments done at other aesthetics places that I'm like, I just want to see, I just want it like make my skin look perfect. Yep. Yep. That's great. Oh, it didn't work. Oh, I didn't think it was going to work because there was no research on it. I'm not disappointed. But when you have people come in that, you know, are paying a lot of money for something, they're expecting that result to be blank. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I just have, and I think that's, you know, when I see my other coworkers and friends that are opening clinics and stuff like that and kind of jumping on, what's hot. That's where my nerves kick in for them. Cause I'm just like, Oh, I hope that's still hot in a year. And you know, some of them have hugely successful businesses, right? Mm-hmm. But like buying one laser that, or one machine that does one specific thing. Sure. Like there's a, I suffer from canker sores a lot when I travel, it's still personal, but there are light therapies out there for canker sores. I would love to buy that machine. Am I going to buy a $200,000 machine to treat a canker sore twice a year? Mm-hmm. No, I wish I had the money to do that. But are there other people out there? Well, maybe there's other canker sore sufferers out there. But I think the biggest thing is having too many treatments, diluting yourself. Like, and that's why form, we have a very specific thing, right? It's injectables, non-surgical aesthetics. We don't do surgeries. We don't do anything cutting or any of that kind of stuff. We know what we are. We do it well. We pride ourselves on that. All our education is within that realm. Mm -hmm. We don't do a hundred things we do you know 20 i'm not i'm it's making like the, these numbers up it's like the restaurant that has 250 items on cheesecake the factory with that like, binder <laughs> that you fall asleep halfway through and i don't I even know do what's this. past page three i can't do this yeah i only ever eat appetizers because i fall asleep by the time i get to the, yeah. the seventh page of appetizers yeah i'm just like yeah that looks great yeah. a salad bigger than my head yeah i can deal with that so yeah and i think that's aesthetics too and i'm not saying anyone that offers multiple things because you could have a huge staff right mm-hmm. you could have 15 doctors each specializing in a different thing sure. so that's great too but yeah that's what i think is the biggest kind of when people open new clinics botox and fillers we know our stuff right you can open those clinics pretty much anywhere and we know how to do it and all that kind of stuff it's when you get into the realm of medical aesthetics or you go to these aesthetic shows like the vegas aesthetic show was just not too long ago there is a laser and a machine for everything. It can right. tighten and loosen whatever you want. Is there evidence behind it? Because how are you going to back that up with mm-hmm. your MD after your name or just being a good person and being like, oh, yeah, you should totally get this. It might not work, though. Right. <laughs> and that's where I have a hard time with it. So it seems like even if something, even if the research is there mm-hmm. and it and it shows that a treatment works, now you guys are playing kind of the the trendy risk reward of is this going to something that's going to last? Is it not like that's a, yeah, because it could be one celebrity, one famous person, one treatment that goes botched Mm -hmm. and then that treatment's no longer okay because of how social media works. Right. And you know, is it true? What's, what are the other factors that went into that outcome? You know, we do. And like one of the things like the cool sculpting body effects, fat removal things, it's great if you, you know, it does work, but are you on a good diet? Are you exercising? Like if you're, you're not making any changes, but you're getting this done yet, it will, it will shrink your fat cells and remove them. Yep. But then if you gain 20 pounds, you're still not going to have that outcome you wanted. So right. it goes back to the education thing, but it also goes back to like, you know, I remember when I started in the aesthetics world, like there was just certain treatments that were so hot, right? Like everyone was getting a blade of lasers, basically like deep deep heat burns to your face to regenerate and you had to wear vaseline gauze and you look like a mummy for a month but your skin looked amazing afterwards all those scars were gone Mm -hmm. that was huge you really don't see that now unless someone has horrifically scarred skin from like severe acne okay we don't do that anymore and like i joke at form all the time because i'm a big lover of chemical peels i think they're 
the best way to have amazing skin. Little dated for sure, because we've moved on to a lot of these advanced light therapies. But I, you know, if you know your science, you can make a chemical peel have the same outcome and you're not going through these like healing processes or where you scare small children when you go outside. Right. And so things just go in waves of what's popular. And then for me, once again, and Dr. Patterson and everyone at Forum, we know these things work and we know how to manipulate them to make them work for each of our patients. So, and I think that's also one of the big things when people do open new businesses in any shape or form, it's like, know your stuff, know it well, because then you can, you know, make it work to your advantage, right? Like, oh, I know you came in looking for this treatment, but what you're asking for would best be treated with this. Right. And that's how we play. And like, I'm very open and form is very open. Sometimes we do send you to our competitors because we're like, we don't do that here. Wait, I know I understand what you want and we mm-hmm. do offer something, but what you actually have on exam is better treated surgically. You actually need your eyebrows removed surgically. You need a blepharoplasty. Mm-hmm. I can lift your eyebrows a little bit, but what your, your expectation is not what I can do. So here, let me send you to referrals. One of our, you know, cosmetic or plastic surgeons or ophthalmologists. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think, that's also a sign for us or for anyone being like, oh yeah, know your limitations. Like I have no problem telling people like, oh, you need to go see someone's. Well, you're being an ad- you're being an advocate. Oh, for, totally. For your patient, and, right? and like even in our yeah. office, like sometimes some of the other injectors and nurse practitioners will send you know men to me. They're just like, oh, he wants a jack jawline. You do them better than me. Mm-hmm. Great. And I know certain lip styles that people want. I'm like, Oh, go see our nurse practitioner. She loves lips. Like that's what she really likes. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I think you play to everyone's advantage in your business. Yep. And you know, I like jaw lines. That's just a me thing. I know how to do them. Well, that's, you know, I love doing full faces. I, you know, just doing lips or just doing something. I like doing the whole like wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Kind of like, Ooh, that's a nice look. I like lots of that's a Leon face. That's a Leon. I know face. that. Yeah, face. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just written all over it. And I really enjoy doing hands. That's my other thing. We all have those things we really like. So, you know, play it, play into your strengths. Is but I think everyone does that naturally anyway. Yeah. But I think the opposite is where people struggle, being like, "Ooh, I don't do that a lot, but I'll do it." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I rather send you to another person that does it a lot and has really great outcomes because mm. I think you're more likely to come back to me for my opinion on other things, and that that's how yeah. I play it personally. Yeah. But. I lost my hand modeling career uh, many years ago oh, when no. a stucco mixer and I <laughs> had a fight. Okay, and it, it won, it, and it won. And oh. this is now a this is a podcast, so you can't really. Oh, but yeah, it's uh, it's still it's, pr- it's, it's still it, pretty. This this is what actually re- really pushed my entire career into a different direction. Oh wow! Because this started asking the question kept playing in my head. Mm-hmm there's no one-handed firefighters, right? Valid, like, and, valid. And what would I have done if I would have lost my hand? Oh, totally. And then I was like, okay, you, you need yeah. to do something So the whole better. reason I don't downhill ski, because I break my hand, I'm screwed. That's right. I know. Yeah. My husband's like, you got to learn. I'm like, no. That you have insurance you, on those things? Kind of, but Ish. like not like people think, like Lloyd's Right, not London. like David Beckham. Yeah, exactly. His, yeah. Yeah, they're not worth that much, but like I can't deliver a baby if my hands don't work properly yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And I always get my husband's a huge downhill skier, loves it. I've tried ski school several times. I've never fallen, but I'm done because it's not ex- exciting because the whole time I'm like, yep, yeah, if I run into that tree, I'm dead. Or if I fall or I go over that cliff or like, and then you just see these little kids that don't care because they're not thinking. Yeah. And I'm like, that's when you learn to downhill ski. Yeah. When, you know, your bones are still bendy and you don't care. Mm. You can't learn how to downhill ski in your 30s because that's just anxiety provoking. Yeah. It's so I pray ski. Don't look at something that you don't want to hit. Yeah, exactly. And then you're like, God, I'm looking at the well, tree. I'm going to hit that tree. Yeah, exactly. I hit the 
tree. Yeah. yeah and damn. now my life is over. And right. can you yeah. please get me to a good hospital? Yeah, yeah. That's things that go through my head. Yeah. Very fair. Yeah. Um, what are, what, what are some things that you wish people knew in general about medical aesthetics Ooh. That, that they don't or one thing? Yeah. No. So you know? yeah. Hands down. My biggest thing is that there is a risk with everything we do. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't predict outcomes like anything in medicine. I could prescribe you a birth control pill and you could have a negative outcome. I could prescribe you a hypertense anti your Tylenol. Yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. I don't know you're allergic to something until I give it to you. That's yep. a very common thing. And so the same with aesthetics, knowing that fillers can permanently blind you, mm-hmm. knowing if the if it's not done properly, knowing yep. that you could have a bruise that lasts a long time. Yep. Anytime we break the skin with a needle, you could get an infection that I can't predict. I'm going to, of course, clean your skin and do it in the best way possible. But there's a hole in that skin layer now that an infection can move in. And when that moves in, we have potentially bad news bears trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a chance that your anatomy isn't 100% like everybody else's, but we don't do MRIs and ultrasounds and map your face out based on your bone structure. I know where your artery should be, but maybe you were made on a Friday and we were in a rush and it's a little bit to the left. I don't know that until the needle's in there. Mm-hmm. So there's always those risks. And I think that's why highly educated, highly trained people are 100% needed. I'm not saying that not everyone is, but you should be asking those questions because, you know, we you always get that thing just as, you know, you clean the patient's skin, everything's signed, pictures are taken, you've educated, they've come back or you're ready to do the treatment and you're about to put the needle in. They're like, this isn't going to bruise, right? And I'm like, well, like, could this is how a needle works kind of thing and they're just like oh no but i gotta go to work i can't have a bruise and i'm like or i can't 100 percent guarantee that Mm -hmm. because it's a thing and that's kind of on one spectrum and then the other spectrum like when people come in like oh i've had fillers done tons of times my whole life and then when we do our general spiel and they're like what do you mean i could go blind or what do you mean i could like block the blood supply to my skin and like my skin could die yeah that's a legit thing that happens like it happens every day somewhere in the world. And they're just like, Oh, I don't think I'm ready for this. And I'm like, or Botox, it's pretty harmless, but at the same time, there could be a nerve in the lower part of your face. And then all of a sudden you can't smile for three months. That's a thing that can happen. And we know where the nerve should be, but you know, 33% of the time it's not where it should be. And then you look like you're a stroke victim, unfortunately for a while, but it's not long, it's not long lasting. So that's the biggest thing. And I think that once again, comes back to education, but there is a risk with these things. And I think film, society, TikTok, social media, it's like, oh, it's no big deal. I get Botox, I get fillers all the time. Yeah, it's not a big deal, but it's on the same realm as surgery. Like there is complications. There's nasty complications with this yep. stuff. And of course, one quick Google search of like lips gone wrong will make you never want to get filler. But then I have tons of questions. Was it done by a trained person? Where was it done? What product did they use? Yep. Did, was this person trained enough to have all the antidotes, if you will, in their office to deal with it right away, to get the blood perfusion back right away. We do. And most clinics, if well, all clinics do, medical clinics for sure do. But is that a thing? And so having that is huge and understanding that. And I think patients have the right for due diligence, but they have the right to ask. But I think that's the biggest thing lacking in medical aesthetics because everyone's, oh yeah, I saw, you know, I get this chemical peel. I'll look like this. Well, that's what happened to that person. It might not happen to you. Right. You, if you go to the wrong person, you can get a permanent burn. You might have a rare like allergy that causes you to swell up. And, and that's the other thing that's 
I always push back on some people having a doctor or a highly trained medical professional. They can treat the complications, right? Where, you know, an aesthetics clinic that's, you know, not medically trained. It's like, oh, go see a doctor. That's really bad. Right. <laughs> it's like, okay. Ooh, well, someone should do something. Yeah, about you that. should really yeah. get that looked at. <laughs> we <laughs> are the pe- Yeah, we are the people that were, and, you know, that's why, you know, we have a 24 hour doctor on call for everyone at our clinic. And yep. I think most clinics do, but always push that question because that's what we see internationally. Like, you know, Toronto's had some horror stories of like, you know, non-official clinics and people promoting to be doctors when they're not. And, you know, there was the case where there was a woman doing butt injections and it wasn't until with silicone that was from the uh, hardware store and it wasn't, and come to find out she was 20. She wasn't a doctor. She, all her certificates were in another language, but people just took it for granted. And people were getting these injections for $5,000 that should be costing $30,000, but she did tons of work, but it wasn't until several people with complications went to the same emergency room when the same doctor was working that they put started putting two and two together and you know and eventually and now it's like a whole legal case because like she was misrepresenting herself but she doesn't fall under the realm of collagen physicians because she's not a physician so that stuff is out there and so you know do do yeah do your research that's crazy (laughs) yeah on the business side okay right you still had to open a business, mm-hmm. right? So what is some advice that you would give someone, uh, not only uh, doctors or yeah. uh, medical aesthetics, but any business in general, like you had to go through that process. You ha- you opened up a retail shop. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys needed to build up a clientele. You need yeah. To so looking back, what's some advice that you would give to somebody? Yeah, don't open before a pandemic. <laughs> so do, 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 do some psychic stuff to see if there's a pandemic around uh-huh. the corner. Uh-huh. Yeah. And once that's done. Um, so for us, I think things that we did really well was opening slowly, build that clientele yes. yeah. because, you know, no matter what all these, you know, I roll my eyes, but it's like banks and books tell you like, this is how much you need in the bank. And you know, this is how much you make before profit and all this kind of stuff. You can't make someone walk through your door and spend money. And for us in aesthetics, you know, you could come in and get a $500 treatment or a $5,000 treatment. We don't know what that treatment is until you tell me what's wrong or what you're hoping to do to your face. Mm -hmm. So clientele is huge. And that's really marketing. Right. Right. That's, that's getting the lead. Yeah. Cause you need, you need a significant amount of following before you can pay for, you know, your rent and your bills and your lease improvements and all this kind of stuff. Right. And then I think, holding on to those clients because one of the biggest things we have at forum and I always say is like our clients are loyal to the end. And what's amazing is it just makes everything so much easier, but you need to treat them with respect. You got to, you know, kind of my shtick and I'm not a big business expert by any means, but it's like, to me, it's all in the details. Like during the pandemic, we've had to cut back some of the luxury things that happen at forum. And one of them is we have a really ridiculously expensive coffee maker and I really had to push, you know, to get it during the early business stages of yeah. buying a $30,000 coffee maker, a Keurig, no joke. And uh, <laughs> it's an espresso. Anyway, and it was one of these cells, but I'm like, the little details change people's things. And during the pandemic, when we had to stop coffee service, yeah. the amount of things we have from patients being like, oh, I miss the coffees. And I'm yeah. like, I'm glad my work was you know, life changing mm. for you. Yeah, you but know, I like, put stuff in your body. Yeah, right? like I performed a treatment on you and they're just like, I know, but the espresso, like the cappuccinos <laughs> here were so good. And I'm like, I know they were. And someday when the world gets back, we'll have it again. Yeah. So it's, 
you know, or like, you know, the hand towels or having to go to paper towel. And they're like, Oh, I miss the, the hand towels or mm-hmm. I miss the scent or these little things. Yeah. So like those little details really accumulate to a major business right. marketing yeah. thing. And I think people sometimes take that for granted. Cause sometimes you go to, we've all been there. You go into a store and it's like, Oh, they do one little thing. You're like, Oh, amazing. And then the one time you go and they don't do it, it's like the end of the world. It's like, where's my little finger bowl or my cold towel before I sit down? Like yeah. you expect me to eat sushi and not like cool the back of my neck down. I get it. Yeah. And I think we picked up groceries from we, uh, Alicia went and, uh, when they brought the groceries to our car, mm-hmm. they gave her a granola bar. Right. And the next time they didn't. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's why, why do I shop here? <laughs> this is ridiculous. Yeah. But it's those little things. And I think consistency. And once again, any business marketing people take consistency, super important. Yep. All that kind of stuff. Um, but I think it's those, you know, consistent little details like coming in and just like the way the to- towels are folded or how there's a robe available if you want to switch in it for whatever reason or how the place looks. I'm a huge person on scent. So like at Form, we had our own uh, scent made, like a custom scent thing. Okay. But it's hilarious because, you know, there was a brief period of time when we the hand soap was on back order or something and people are like, where's the good soap? It doesn't smell right. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you're right. Mm-hmm. So those... And I think taking an extra month, two months, six months before opening a business and like looking at those details. And I think that's what Dr. Patterson and I do well because we look at things definitely differently when yep. it comes to that. And mine is always, you know, I've been fortunate to travel a lot. And when you look at anything from a hotel to a restaurant or those things that stick out, it is details. Like, yeah, the, the food was amazing. What did I eat? Oh, maybe I remember if it was really out of the world. But I, what I do remember is like, oh, when the drinks came, there was this like smoke and fire thing. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. And there was this whole, made you feel something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Or, you know, I went to the bathroom and it's like, blah, blah, blah. And I like, I remember I stayed at a hotel once and I remember like, <laughs> I don't know why. Don't judge this next thing. But for some reason, I looked under the bed and there was a little card and a red carnation that says, yep, we clean under here too. And it was a fresh flower. So good. And I'm like, damn. And then I really started like going through drawers and I'm like, this place is really clean. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, this place really is an amazing. And like, yeah. I would like tear a petal and it was changed every day. And I'm like, wow, they must, they have a flower under the bed. Like that's classy to the max. So, and I'm like, and if anyone goes to Ireland, I will tell you, they stay at Ashford castle, but like it is an amazing place to stay. So I think those little details, you know, you know, certain stores, they're putting your receipt in a fancy little envelope when they hand it to you. Those details are huge. So I think finding your, knowing what your business is and playing, having a marketing plan that includes a detail that is you, that is only you guys, whether it's how you hand the receipt, whether how you send out texts or that one thing, because repetitively people expect it and you also commit to it. Right. And right. so we stay there and keep that level of commitment and like, you know, form, we spent a lot of time working with the design shop who are amazing. And Debbie Golub, who plays a huge role in the, who played a huge role in the design. She was the design, but she has a background in psychology. So everything about her is like how space acts and like how you live in the space and the psychology, the psychology of like, well, if you're opening that door, you're going to be bent over and your patient's going to see your butt. So the door has to open the other way. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, that's what people think about. Like, I'm like, oh my God, how many times have people done that in my other office? Yeah, sight where we, lines and function. And, right. Yeah. And she, and so, Slow. yeah. So from when she designed the furniture to where she resi- chose where the power outlets were so people could charge their phones, she 100% did it. So 
if you were uncomfortable, didn't want people to see you, there was a place you could hide. Or if you came with a friend, there was a place you too could hide and all these pods and like all these details and how the couches were shaped. I'm like, holy, that's a huge thing. But that's why she's amazing at what she does. And she designs amazing clinics and dental. And they got their Instagram back. Yeah. Yeah. They just got it back. Yeah. Yeah. Which is horrible that once again, 2022 things we deal with. Crazy. Yeah. But those things are so important. And like, I think when they all come together, it makes an amazing business. But I'll be the first to say like, Debbie did an amazing job designing my business. Mm-hmm. Trick it. And those guys did amazing side building the design that she did. And now we live in it and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's, it's so layered in everything. And like knowing, and once again, it comes back to details and Debbie's like, she was with us being like, well, show me your marketing. What are your colors? What's your website look like? Cause okay, if that's what you want your website to look like, I want to have a room that looks like this and blank and blank. And you know, people who do social media, when you leave the room, what's the first thing they're going to do? They're going to do a selfie. So we have to make sure the light's good for selfies because when you're not looking, they're doing selfies in your room. And I'm like, well, that is valid because that's the first place, you know, that's where I would do it. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, I'm just going to go wash my hands. I'll be back. That's when you do like your own before picture. So when they leave afterwards, you do another one. You're like, oh yeah, that does work on my camera. So yeah. So things like that are kind of interesting how they all play and work together. And I think Mm. I didn't know that before going into a business that that was so important. Right. And I think luck and, you know, Dr. Patterson being a little bit more into the business side of things, how work and coming from a business family played into that. But you know, me being like everyone, like this is awesome. Make it look pretty. Well, pretty has a different aspect in how things look and act and work and how doors open and Mm -hmm. where people sit and why they want to sit in certain places and why they might choose to sit in that chair or that chair. And I'm like, Ooh, but yeah. So when you're starting a business, I think it's, get the right team of people. Cause when you, once again, I was all about where's the fancy coffee maker going? What's the scent going to be and all this kind of stuff. That was me, but mixed with functionality and the psychology, it all came together to have a, hopefully the perfect clinic. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned traveling and you and your husband, Rob have traveled a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got to experience many different cities, cultures, experiences, so what is it about Winnipeg? Because you, I mean, Rob's from the West Coast, you're from the East Coast, you're I've in lived Winnipeg. Everywhere. <laughs> you guys legitimately, I mean, doctors can get reciprocity or they can challenge exams. Yeah. Uh, medical aesthetics can be done anywhere. You know, anywhere. Everyone yeah. wants them. What is it about Winnipeg that keeps you guys here? Okay, that's yeah. <laughs> I get asked that question a lot. Um, especially living in Miami and Bermuda and, you know, some really nice countries, Rob mm-hmm. living in Australia and Ireland. It's like, why did you pick Winnipeg? Um, so it didn't start off this way, but it was a mixture of what Winnipeg is. And what I mean by that is, you know, I can teach at the university. I have a, a faculty role there. I have my own practice. I can have a medical aesthetics clinic. We're big and small. I know team of specialists that I know by first name, I can shoot a text as a GP to friends in radiology or OB gynecology and ask them questions. There's the collegiality, the universities here. We have a lot of, you know, we have MRIs, we have PET scans, we have all that. It's not a small community, but yet I can be anywhere in 20 minutes. There's professional sports teams. There's a great living style. The cost of living's low. Like when I graduated, I got headhunted for a job in Banff and Canmore, I went in for Vancouver. And when we went and looked at it, it's like when you factor in cost of living, could I have a faculty teaching role? Cause I really enjoy teaching. Well, there's no universities there. So, you know, that I'd, do I want to give that up? What's the aesthetics world look like? Well, okay. It's a very small town. So there's a, you know, three aesthetics clinics. Can it handle a fourth, that kind of stuff. But Winnipeg is a big little city where it's like, 
everyone can play nicely. Um, you know, it, it was one of those things where it happened. It just snuck up on us where it was like, okay, we'll do two years and see what it's like. And then two mm-hmm. years being like, okay, let's stay for another couple of years. Let's look at other jobs. Where do we see ourselves? Da, da, da. And then it's like, okay, let's get a house. This is a great place to potentially raise family. There's good schools. It's safe. You know, we don't have that. The airport's right there. Like it's a 20 minute cab or $20 cab ride. We can be at the airport and to another place really easily where, you know, I won't say her name, but somebody I graduated with in residency, you know, moved to Vancouver and got a job and stuff. And when she went to get her 850 square foot condo, she had to get her dad to co-sign because as a physician, she didn't have enough financial backing to, right, yeah. and I was like, Oh God, I definitely don't want to live in Vancouver. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, living in Toronto where you don't know the specialist you're sending someone to, and you're just getting these reports back and you have no idea who they are. You talk to them on the phone. You have no idea here. We know everyone. Yeah. Right. And that's, in for me being a bit of a people person as well as needing that sense of community like we have no family here we have our medical community because we trained here so the people we were training with we become very close with because we're literally you know for two years i've lived with the same residency people going through family medicine residency and basically they're my family and through them i've met other people and stuff and but at the same time those that are Winnipeggers are friendly. Like I I'm Jewish and like I have family here that like it, that I've met through here that like, if I can't go to dinner, they'll change dinner. And I'm like, I'm not part of your family. Like, please go ahead and have Rosh Hashanah. And they'll be like, no, you can't come. You work that night. We'll change it. And I'm like, well, you can't change the holiday, but they'll do it for me because I've been to every Rosh Hashanah since I moved here. And they found out the poor little Jew boy didn't have a family to eat dinner with. So they invited me. So those senses of community, which were huge for Rob and I added to making a decision, which was pretty easy to, you know, it was easy to open a practice here. We could open the practices we wanted, but we had those extra details, much like in business where it's like the, 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 um, the sprinkles on the cupcake or whatever, but like I could have a small teaching role in the faculty, which I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. I can deliver my babies at the same time, own an aesthetics practice at the same time, have a GP GP practice at the same time, teach internationally. I can do all those things. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you can do that in a lot of big cities or how some provinces have their models like New Brunswick, where my dad's from, you know, their model is very different. They cap doctors. You can't, you can only make a certain amount of money per month, no matter how little or much you work. There's only a certain amount of actual billing numbers, which is what we need to, in order to build a government for medical. So they cap and there's, you know, when we graduated, there was no job for Rob. They would hire one of us, but not two of us, right. even though there's a doctor shortage there. Right. And it's like, that's great. And because on paper, I'm bilingual, I would say I don't have the credentials anymore. Like they're like, okay, we're going to put you in a Francophone thing. And I'm like, Ooh, let's not do that. Let's not put me in a French hospital because I don't know if my skills are that good. So, you know, this province is very much like, yeah, what, what, what kind of practice do you want? Let's work with you to make that. And that's unique to Manitoba, which was a nice little thing. Winters are a little bit hard, but they're sunny and bright. Vancouver's rainy and cold. So anyway, after much discussion, it was, it was an easy way to stay. And it was kind of, I think if you had asked myself from Rob, you know, nine years ago for me and seven years ago for him, will you live in Manitoba? It's like, oh no, it's a stepping stone. Yep. I'm moving to a little place called Dauphin where I'll do a lot of snowmobiling and uh, I need a truck. Yep. Um, and then after that, we'll see where life takes me. Um, you know, fate or whatever you, things lined up, got married, we'll buy a house. No, we have a 35 year mortgage. I guess we're living here for 35 years. Oh, I opened a business. I'm definitely staying here for, yeah, it all lined up. And, 
you know, you meet your own friends, which become easily become family and that all just kind of slides in. But Manitoba was easy. And like looking at jobs when we were kind of actively looking for other jobs, it wasn't easy. And I think right. being trained here, of course, helped. But at the same time, just knowing you could open a business pretty easy. You can make a go out of it. You could make your career what you wanted to be in healthcare here. And that was important to us because we did both didn't want the stereotypical Monday to Friday, come in, blood pressure, blood pressure, diabetes, thanks for coming. That yep. wasn't us, and we could easily make the practice we wanted. And I think that was huge. And, you know, having the university and having good colleagues made that super easy for us. So. Quick follow-up question. Yeah. What would you change about Winnipeg if you could? <laughs> Weather? No. Uh, That's fair. It doesn't bother me that much. It, it bothers me, like, maybe five days a year. Um, there's there's certain there's days. There's just certain, certain days, days, like, when your car doesn't start and it throws yeah. your day off or you yeah. forgot to plug it in, like... Yeah, first world problems definitely with the current world we live in. Your door freezes shut. Yeah, your key like those won't things. Go in. Yeah, um, there's not much because the one thing I'll say about Winnipeg that surprised me is how everyone embraces winter here. They don't hide for the winter months. Like they're at the forks. Like when it's nice out and you go to the forks pre-COVID and it's just like thousands of people and I'm like, holy <laughs> crap, why would anybody want to be out here? But then you're going like, this is really fun. I had a great time yeah. where on the East Coast, we kind of hunker down after New Year's and we're like, we'll see you in the spring. Yeah, see you in May. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of how we do it. And even in like Florida and Arizona and all these other places I've lived, there's just certain things you do, right? Like, oh, you'd go hiking on Sunday. That's your go thing or beach every Sunday or things like that. So here it's so varied and like, I'm still learning. Like I don't get this whole lake country th or lake cottage world that people rush out of the city every Friday and rush back every Monday. But I don't know. Um, weather would be one. And then the other thing would be, I don't know. Yeah. It, I, I find very comfortable here. I, I love the traffic. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I know a parking parking i knew there was something yeah how you're like driving and all of a sudden it's like you can park on a major high like on academy all of a sudden you can just park there and then you mm -hmm. get stuck there for 10 minutes trying to go around yeah i haven't lived many places where you can just park on a major street it's wherever you want just throw on your blinkers yeah that, yeah that's there that's my big one yeah that's my road rage moment for okay. sure because i'm also a bit of a nervous driver so i'll like politely wait there and it's like it's been 10 minutes somebody let me out you but. know what i i next week i think it's next week i've got uh counselor kevin klein on okay there so we go I'll, bring that up I'll, Would you fix I'll that make for sure me? to write that down thank you yeah, yeah. make we'll, a note we'll bring it up uh going a little deeper here did you always know that or believe that you would be successful in life like was that was that always something that you was that ever something that you thought about or so was it me, just no, because I don't have a ton of self confidence and I'm extremely self deprecating. Um, people look, I do hear it a lot from people because I've had an amazing life and I do appreciate that I have. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely very lucky, you know. I've lived all over the world. I've had amazing jobs. Things never played out the way it was supposed to for me, and you know I don't come from a lot of means or whatever, but. You know, uh, looking back, everything happened for a reason. Mm -hmm. So like my big thing, I want to be a doctor. So I did my undergraduate and did really well and scholarships and all that hoopla, but never got in, never got in, never got in, uh, became a lab scientist. Literally one night at midnight, the three juniorest people in the middle of the night running the hospital lab, we were having lunch together and we were just like, is this our life? Like we're 23 and we work midnight to eight, like keeping the hospital lab going. And one of them is like, hey, there's a job here listed in Bermuda for three people. We should apply. We applied a week later. We moved to Bermuda. That job led me to have 
amazing friends and connections, but it led me to have other amazing jobs and meet amazing people that open doors. Um, I got involved in third world humanitarian work in Haiti that led me to meet an amazing physician in Calgary who was like, come with me to Calgary and I'll show you what a family doctor does. And I went and worked with her practice and fell in love with it. And that connection led me to get into med school, which led me into the States where I worked with amazing people who opened other doors for me and got me amazing internships and things like that. So I've had an extremely fortunate go. I wouldn't say I sat there and be like, oh yeah, I'm going to be like completely super successful in life. I definitely had the drive because I didn't matter. Like if you ask my dad, I always shot for the stars because it's like coming from a small rural town in New Brunswick and having, you know, you know, just regular Joe folks that worked really hard and provided for their families. They'd be like, why do you want those things? Or, you know, those are expensive shoes. You get these shoes. I'm like, I'm going to get these shoes. And I was that kid who had a paper route and like worked in a restaurant and had all that because my dad wouldn't buy me the shoes I wanted. So I was going to buy them myself. And that, you know, ethics and stuff, I'm sure played a huge role in it. But it was like, I didn't want to be that whole, I'm going to live in my hometown. I got my degree. I'm going to come back and work. I always wanted more. And you know, I've reflected a lot, especially during the pandemic and that move to Bermuda because I was a homebody. Like I remember I moved November 4th. All my family had bets I'd be moved home by Christmas and I made it through. And, you know, seven years later and amazing connections and friends and working all over the world and working for, you know, amazing companies and countries and stuff like that just opened so many doors for me. But it was one of those things where it's like I didn't want the just like stereotypical whatever. And I just went for it. And, you know, I was always one of those two, like I'm always up for an adventure or whatever, like jobs. Like I worked at the Betty Ford center. Well, that was literally out for drinks with someone who's like, Oh, I just did this internship. There it was really fun. You should apply the deadlines tomorrow. So like went home after having several drinks and decided to apply for an internship at the Betty Ford center and got it. Yeah. And I was just like, Oh, I guess I got it. I should go. And then that led to other jobs and other opportunities and things like that. So it's, it's amazing. And it's like, and my husband's the same. He's one of these guys that, you know, looking out would be like, oh my God, everything comes easy for you. Because in med school, he became Mr. Gay Europe and he's on a stamp and he's like literally seen all the world and things like that. And when we travel, he's like, oh, we're in Bangladesh. Let me call my friend, Mr. Gay Bangladesh. And like <laughs> all of a sudden then we get to go to bars and it's openings and all these kind of like, what the heck is going on? So I think on the outside looking in, people are like, oh, you guys whatever. But at the same, we all have stories, right? He couldn't get into med school. So he went to Australia and did his master's who met people. And then he went to Ireland and did it and everything just kind of meeting people and both having that same kind of, you meet people for a reason, right? And you treat them like friends. And I think when we got married back in 2017, like we had 350 guests, but like we had like 36 countries and it was because it's like, well, this table's when Rob lived in Australia and these are my friends from Bermuda and these are my friends from when I did Broadway and these are my friends here. And it was like, People came to our wedding and they're like, there's a lot of different people here. And I'm like, mm-hmm, yep, that's, this is our lives. This is how we live every day. And it was just amazing. And I think things happen for a reason. I'm, I'm not religious in any way, but there's something bigger than me out there. I don't know what it is. And, but it all, you know, negative things. Like if you had asked me, oh my God, I'm showing my age, 15, 20 years ago, what's your biggest disappointment? It's like not getting into med school, not getting into that specific med school. Cause that's what everyone else did. And they get in the day they graduate undergraduate, they go to med school and blah, blah, blah. That didn't happen for me, but I didn't want to sit there and take it. So I was like, okay, I'll do my masters. I'll do this. One thing leads to another. And I think just being willing to keep going forward and then things will eventually. And 
you know, looking back, I'm glad it didn't happen the way it happens for everyone else. I'm glad I went to med school older. Like I remember I wasn't super old. It was my late twenties. And when I went to med school, like I went to bed at nine every night and my roommates who were all like 22 were like pulling all nighters. And I'm like, nope, I study every day from six to nine. If I don't have it in there by then, I'm too old for this. Yep. Meanwhile, they're just like, you know, cramming the week before. And I'm like, oh no, I can't do that anymore. I'm too old for that. And having lived a little bit and stuff like that and had some life experiences of living on my own and then seeing young people like, I have friends that graduated residency and they're like 22 and I'm like, oh my God, when I was 22, I don't even know if I did my laundry like appropriately. So yeah, I think you just got to take everything, but learn from everything, whether it's negative or the worst day of your life of the day I got rejected for the fifth time from med school. Yeah. Let's see what the sixth looks like or feels Mm -hmm. like. And that's how I took it. So that's phenomenal. Yeah. Do you, earlier you mentioned uh, consistency Mm -hmm. as, as being really important in business. What about in your life? Is there something as far as daily routine or something that you, you have to do every day that yeah, you make sure so you gonna, get in. I'll answer this pre COVID. Okay. Cause COVID has messed my life very, up. Very fair. Uh, in a lot of ways, this, this whole thing should have been COVID aside. Yeah. Totally for me. A, a, be, every answer. Because I've taken on a lot and my husband has like, he's you know, stepped up to work for public health. So we don't have our normal routines mm-hmm. when I'm in my routine. I'm phenomenal. Like, I lost 272 pounds and I used to be overweight and like, I love routine. Like I love getting up at five, going to the gym, doing my thing. Like that is what my body thrives on to mm-hmm. the point where close friends were no, like I almost hate vacations cause it throws me off. Mm-hmm. And like, I just, I'm like, Oh my God, I slept until nine 30. I can't do anything until noon cause my brain's not working. Yep. Meanwhile, you know, I have no problem getting up at five and going to the gym and doing my thing and having my coffee and being to work and doing my paperwork when it's still quiet. I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a morning person. Mm-hmm. So I do thrive on consistency. I am a hundred percent a better person when I'm consistent. And a little bit of that is also when you throw that off is when once again, a vacation can throw me off. Cause I'm yep. like, my body's just like, Oh my God, I need a nap. Meanwhile, the week before I had like, you know, rounded at three hospitals and did all this stuff all before nine o'clock and I'm not tired and I went to bed, but it's like on vacation. It's like, Oh, I had breakfast. I better go lay down because it's nine 30 already. So I do thrive on consistency in a lot of things as well as I think when you're consistent, you can roll with the punches easier. Like in my world where, you know, I can be called to a delivery at any time, even though I have a completely booked office practice knowing how to manage my day and manage me and having the right staff is always great. And I know my staff have my back and I know my limits and things like that. And then through age, knowing your limits too. like, even though I do work seven days a week and I work 24 hours a day, I take one Sunday off a month. That's day to get cut up on the mail that I haven't opened or things I haven't billed or the emails that have lined up. So with time I've learned, you know, sometimes you just got to roll with the punches, but at the same time, consistency for me is huge. Just, there's other people that can handle more, but I just love A, B, C, D, E, F, G, straightforward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Well, it is a Sunday today mm-hmm. and it is your day off. Oh. So I don't want to monopolize it's all, good. all, it's all of good. your time, but I appreciate it. Um, now, is there is there anything that when when you knew you were coming on here, yeah. is there anything that I didn't ask you that I should have? No, because I really didn't know what to expect. Um, no, not really. Um no, it's, it's, you know, I think business and knowing you and being that like positive person and how you're always trying to like push, it's exactly what I expected. And I think 
I definitely don't look at myself as a huge leader in business because I think there's always room for improvement. And it comes back to that not having ton of that huge ego or self-confidence. I'm very glad of what I've produced with Form and the the things I've stuck to and what I think is extremely important. Because I think, you know, with the pandemic and things, it's been like, okay, don't reject any patient. Like, we need money flow. And it's like, nope, I'm not going to. That person has enough filler. I'm not going to put more in there because I don't think it's appropriate. I stick to my guns and, you know, I am proud about those things. And I think businesses and it's funny because I know you probably haven't had medical aesthetics people on here, but they're all, they all come down to the same thing. Right. And like we have friends, you own businesses and we have mutual friends that own businesses. And when you talk, it all comes down to the same things, right? Like people are successful for certain reasons, but at the same time, there's fundamental core principles for everyone. And you read enough books and they're all in there, but when you're, when I'm stressed out or whatever, and I think of these other people or other businesses, I'm like, we all have the same problems. None of us predicted the pandemic. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And you can only control so much. So you take, you take that with a grain of salt, but at the same time, I think if you just go back to your core principles and you have your amazing clients and you stick to all the little details and you keep them happy, they're waiting there. So when we were closed during the pandemic, Trust me, we had people being like, I need my Botox. Like, when are you opened? And I'm like, oh, you know, we can't, we can't be opened right now. Well, the first day we turned our sign on, like we like, how many people can we possibly do in a day? It literally turned into, yep. and that just makes you love your clients more and makes you like, okay, we're doing something good here. Mm -hmm. Like people literally waited and you know, they're just like, my husband hasn't seen me like this in 25 years. And I'm like, oh, well, well let's turn back the hands of time. So those things are great. So no, I think you know, this is exactly what I expected as well as a little bit more. I wasn't, you know, I'm, de I'm definitely, I don't know any big secrets. I don't think. But. What's, what were the biggest influences you would say on you in your life, whether that be books, uh, people, oh. mentors? Oh, definitely like people. Yeah. So I hate reading. <laughs> Medicine ruined that for me. Med, I med school would have been different. Well, then. Cause I try to memorize everything. So yeah. I don't enjoy books because okay. I'm literally, I'll like spend 45 minutes going back to chapter one to try to figure out a date or something they mentioned casually. So reading's not okay. enjoyable because I'm memorizing hundred percent people. So I will always say whether it is my acting or my theater background or medicine or any job that I had that's super important is all because I've treated everyone the same. And friends for lives kind of thing. Like I, you know, when I got married with my husband and just looking at like, I'm like, Oh, I have to invite this person. He's like, who is it? I'm like, Oh, that's my friend from grade five. He's like, you still keep in touch with that person. I'm like, yes. Or like this person like, was, the, of course I do. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> or like this person hired me for my very first job when I was 13. You still keep in contact. Absolutely. I do. What are you talking about? You don't keep in contact with that person. Right. That's also my personality is very different than my husband where he's just like, Oh, this is my friend from last week. They're coming. Um, but you know, we could easily had 10,000 people at our wedding. But people and experiences, even people that were potentially negative at the time, not burning that bridge has turned into, you know, there's been times in my medical training where it's like I finished a, an elective and I didn't have one lined up and I just happened to say that and someone's like, oh, what are you looking for? I'm like, oh, I need a psychiatric rotation and I really want to do it in pediatrics, but it fell through. So it looks like I have to wait two months to get another one. And they're like, oh, I know the dean at whatever. And like, here, be here Monday. And it's all because... I just treated people like friends and whether it's, you know, my East coast upbringing or just my personality, I think it doesn't matter who you are. You treat people with love and respect and, and you're open-minded with love and respect. It's never going to turn you wrong. Yeah. And those 
situations, hundred percent, whether it's mentors or like in passing being like, Oh, I'm really struggling with this one thing. Oh, I'm not good at it, but I know someone it is. And then you meet another friend and then that other friend's helpful. And like, maybe they rely on you for something. And I have no problem helping people like, Oh, do you know anybody that can do this? Absolutely. Boom, boom, boom. So hands down, I wouldn't say any formal mentorship, but just people in general and just treating people with lots of love and respect because sometimes you need them. And I don't like asking for help, but at the same time, people are like, no, no, this is what I want to do. I want to help you. And I'm just always shocked when people step up for that because I would do it in a heartbeat. But at the same time, it's like, or, you know, people from 15 years ago, knowing you can rely on them to this day is mm-hmm. just a ridiculous thing. And it makes me, there is good in the world. Yeah, I'm really unhealthily obsessed with Mr. Rogers and his child psychology. Cause I think he did a lot of good things yep. and with the world we currently live in his quote about like during bad times, always look for the helpers, mm-hmm. but that's in everything in life. There's always that one person that is going above and beyond in a negative situation or a positive situation. There's that one person that sticks out. And I think I've always believed in that. And especially during our current times, that's even more important, but in your life, there's always that situation, but there's always something in that situation that you can take from negative or positive. That's going to benefit you in the future. Mm -hmm. And I think accepting that embracing it is always going to be helpful, but well, that's phenomenal. There's no, um, it's no surprise why I really love Daniel tiger, which is the cartoon based off of Mr. Rogers because it teaches kids everything that he's he's pushing way of, child psychology and child development was years above. And I don't know if people know this, but I'm, like I said, I'm obsessed with them. But when the World Trade Towers happened, the government actually paid Mr. Rogers to come out of retirement to do a show to explain to kids. Because he was the first child show to say grandma and grandpa died and that it's okay to feel sad and how to accept emotions. Kids mm-hmm. can handle, and this is why I love kids in my practice, because kids can handle tons of things. It's just how you... Pr- uh, presented to them and like mr rogers had things about like when your cat dies or when grandma's sick and that was huge back when Mm -hmm. mr rogers was new but like to this day they've done studies where they showed clips of old mr rogers and kids want to watch them over the newer cartoons and things like that and he just had such amazing fundamental principles based in child psychology that you know he worked for stanford and they still reproduce those all the time it all comes back from what he did on a show. Like he had the first um, physically disabled person or, or child on the show. And that was huge. And he's like, what's the difference between that? So they had to like make the whole soundstage wheelchair accessible. So he could have that. He, mm-hmm. you know, it was just, he just did some really great things that everyone could probably still learn about adults to this day. could probably take a lesson from some of those like super basic principles that he taught kids about sharing and caring and emotions. And it's okay to be mad. It's okay to be sad. Yeah. And you know, you see therapists today and I'm like, yeah, you just need to go watch Mr. Rogers. You don't yeah. need any big therapy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's phenomenal. Well, um, I really appreciate you being here. I appreciate well, thanks uh, for having me. who you are as a person. I think that you know more than you give yourself credit for. I think that your success in not only your medical career, but in form as well, has a lot to do with who you are as a person, how you treat people and how you uh, maintain those relationships. And, and I think that if, if there's anything that I take out of there, other than the details and the importance of details, um, you know, how you treat people and how the people are the pretty much number one thing that, that guarantees success is, uh, is I, I think, something that everyone in every business can learn from and, and help them do their stuff. So, 
I, I love this because it's uh, not only anyone that, that was in your position, but also anyone that's mm-hmm. opening any business can yeah. learn so much from this. So that's the beautiful thing about podcasts and learning your, your story because there's going to be someone out there that relates to this mm-hmm. um, and that says, hey, I was... I was there too, or this did yeah. Dr. Leon write that down. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I really appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time. Cool. Anytime. And, uh, you're welcome back anytime. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks. Bye-bye. Cool.